Well, good morning, Vero Christian Church. How's everybody doing? You doing good? Man, I'm so excited to be here in my hometown in Vero Beach at my home church. Love you guys so much. If you don't know me, my name is Elliot. I'm the associate minister at Swiss Cove Christian Church in Jacksonville, Florida. You may have met my father. He's been here a minute. His name is Scott Blount. Okay, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you today. I bring you love and greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ in Jacksonville and from my wife and kids who could not be here today. They wanted me to tell you that they love you too. And when Steve called me to ask me if I would preach, I said, that would be amazing. I don't often get to come and spend time with you all on a Sunday morning. Uh, so I said, okay, when, when do you want me to come? And he said, I want you to come on. July 19th. And I said, oh, wow, that's pretty cool because I'm already going to be on vacation July 19th and I'm going to be in Vero Beach. So that works out pretty good. I said, well, what are you, what are you talking about at the church right now? He said, we're doing the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, that's weird because we're doing the Sermon on the Mount in Jacksonville right now too. And I said, so what do you want me to preach? Like specifically, what do you want me to preach on? And so he told me and I couldn't believe it because I'm preaching this sermon in two months in Jacksonville. And it's crazy how God works, isn't it? And so I'm excited to share with you what God has been sharing with me over the last few weeks as I've prepped to, to talk with you this morning. But before we get too far into it, I need to tell you that my wife, Abby, and I are huge fans of Dave Ramsey. You know who Dave Ramsey is? You know who I'm talking about, right? He's that crazy bald guy with the giant scissors chasing people around trying to cut up their credit cards. You know what I'm talking about? Because debt is dumb and cash is king and all this stuff. And he says, you got to live like nobody else so that you can live and give like nobody else. You know what I'm talking about. And so I'm listening to his podcast every day, and I just, I love it. And my favorite part is the debt-free screen. Have you heard this? Like they have these people call into the show, and they talk about how they pay it off, all this stuff in just a little bit of time. And at the end, they always scream, we're debt-free. And Braveheart music is playing, and I'm crying in the car and punching the steering wheel and doing all this stuff. And I'm just so pumped because I can't wait to get there. This is where I want to be. And a couple of months ago, we made it. And I was so excited. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. This is so good. I was so pumped to get, you know, put in that last payment to the student loan people and kick Sally Mae out the house and say, you are not welcome here anymore. Goodbye forever. See ya. Good riddance. And, you know, I, I just knew that when this happened, life was going to take off. It was going to change. And everything was just going to be amazing from then on. But you know what I found out? It was Tuesday. And it was good, and I enjoyed it, and it was awesome, and I don't regret it. But I thought that it would be a little bit different because we put so much blood, sweat, and tears into accomplishing this goal. And, you know, there was no rainbow in the sky. There was no dove descending from on high. There was not even no fireworks or nothing. And I was like, this is a little bit anticlimactic. If I can be perfectly honest with you, I thought it would be a little different than this. And here, I've been there before. You worked so hard to get to a goal. Maybe for you it wasn't debt freedom. Maybe it was getting the Corvette, you know, because you knew. And when you, you drove down A1A in the vet for the first time, that life was going to be complete. You just knew that was going to be true in your life. And then you found out that you still got to change the oil, right? Maybe it wasn't the car. Maybe, maybe it was the house, getting the dream house. Or maybe it was hitting a number in the 401K because once you hit a million in the 401K, then you are somebody, right? Maybe, um, maybe it's not that. It's got to be the boat, though, right? It has to be the boat. Because once you get the boat and people have to start calling you captain and you join the ranks of Crunch and Jack Sparrow, then that's when you know 
Life is good. And it's funny. You ever feel like you're just running in circles? Like life is just a series. Here's what happens. We set a goal, and we work really, really hard to achieve that goal. And then what we find out is that it doesn't fulfill us the way that we thought that it would. So what we do is we set a different goal. We set a different goal. And then we work really hard, and then we finally achieve it, and then it doesn't fulfill. So we set another one. It just feels like we're doing this over and over and over in our life. And every time we reach another goal and understand that it doesn't satisfy us the way that we thought it would, we get a little bit more anxious, don't we? Because we're wondering, what is it going to be that finally, like, I thought this was going to bring me that joy and that satisfaction that I've been looking for. And if it's not this, i got to find something else that will do it. And, and, you know, I'm not as young as I used to. I'm not old now, but, but I get a little bit nervous because what if I don't find it? And it's funny because sometimes we spend our lives chasing things that don't matter. And then we wonder why it feels like we wasted our lives. We spend our lives chasing things that don't matter. And then wonder why it feels like we wasted our lives. And we have an entire industry dedicated to telling us what is going to bring us fulfillment, don't we? They're like, hey, you just, you get this, you buy this orange juice, you buy this detergent, you do this, and everything's going to be great. And then we try it, and we're like, it's not, it's not working. It's not working. And and maybe you've, you've started to wonder the same thing that, that I've started to wonder is if, if money and position and power and all this stuff is going to bring the satisfaction that, that you're telling me that it's going to bring, then why is the suicide rate among the rich so high? Why is that? And maybe you've started to think that maybe, maybe Solomon had it right all along. When he said in Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Now, maybe you didn't need Solomon to tell you that. You for sure didn't need me to tell you that because you've been living in our culture long enough to understand that chasing the dollar is like chasing your tail. It's like running on a treadmill. You're sweaty and out of breath, but you ain't going nowhere. And you're wondering, there's got to be, there's got to be something besides this, right? There has to be something that's going to bring this fulfillment and this joy and the satisfaction that I'm looking for. And what if I told you that there is and it's already within your grasp regardless of your economic status? Now, it might sound like a little bit too good to be true and you're like, well, what, what, I, what do I have to do? Here's the thing. We spend our lives chasing the wrong thing and then wonder why it feels like we're wasting them. If we're going to take hold of this, we're going to have to make a shift in what we're chasing. We're going to have to shift our priorities and our focus. Well, we can do it. And did you know that Jesus talked about this exact thing in the Sermon on the Mount? Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 6. He said it this way. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You've heard this verse before, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is telling them, stop chasing the wrong thing. You've been chasing after it for a long time. You shouldn't be surprised that you keep getting the same results. Stop chasing 
the wrong thing. And you know, in Jesus' day, clothing said a lot about who you were. The nicer your clothes, the more important you were. So absolutely nothing has changed, right? Nothing at all. Hey, we do the same thing we've been doing for thousands of years. But what happens to a really nice suit when you hang it in the closet and leave it there for a long time? What happens when you pull it back out? You look at it and you're like, why can I see through this? I shouldn't be able to see. There's holes in it. What happened? Bugs ate it. And the same thing happened in Jesus' day. And in, at the time Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the houses in Jerusalem, they were made of these baked clay bricks. So if you really wanted to, you could just dig a hole in your neighbor's wall and take their stuff. And that was known to happen from time to time. And how frustrating is it when you work so hard for so long to get the clothes that the bugs eat or so hard for so long to build up all this stuff and it gets stolen in the middle of the night. You wake up, there's just a hole in the wall and it's gone. How frustrating is that? And Jesus said, you're chasing the wrong thing. You're building up treasures here on earth where bugs can eat it and people are stealing it. But that's not what you need to be doing. You need to be storing up treasures over here. You see, because Jesus, he didn't just point out a problem. And we got a lot of people in our day and in Jesus' day who are quick to point out the problem. They don't have any solutions. They just want everybody to be mad with them, you know? And so Jesus didn't do that. He didn't say, oh, here's the problem. I don't know what we're going to do about it. He said, no, here's, here's the problem. You're chasing the wrong thing, but I want to tell you what you should be doing. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And this wasn't a new problem for the people in Jesus' day. It's not a new problem for us, this whole idea of chasing the wrong thing. We've been doing that as long as we've had free will, haven't we? We can go all the way back to Genesis 3 and see where it started. We started chasing the wrong thing, and we've been paying the price for it ever since. And you remember, you remember Jacob and Esau? These are Abraham's grandchildren, eh? the children of Isaac. And Esau... He was a manly man. He's a big old hairy dude. He's out in the woods. He's hunting fish. He's doing this stuff. He's got the jacked up truck with the shotgun rack. You know what I'm talking about? This is Esau. And he's just a manly man. And his brother, Jacob, is not any of those things. But he's really clever. And one day, he tricks his brother into making a colossal mistake. And I want to show you. What happened? This is all the way back in Genesis 25. Check this out. This is once when Jacob was cooking some stew. Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me get some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Little brothers, right? Always trying to get some. He said, let me get some of that stew. He said, well, give me your birthright first. So Esau Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. How many of you have that child? You have that child? I'm so hungry, I'm going to die if I don't eat right now. This is Esau. I'm going to die. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and he got up. And left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now just to, just to sum that up for you. Esau was given the birthright by his father because 
He was the firstborn, hence birthright, you understand? And what that meant was he was going to get the vast majority of the inheritance, okay? All the money, the possessions, the stuff, all that stuff. But in addition to that, he was going to be given the position as the leader of the family. He was going to be the new patriarch of the family once his father passed away, and he sold it for some soup. And if it seems ridiculous, it's because it's ridiculous, okay? And we look, we look at that story and we say, how could you be so foolish? How could you give up something that's so valuable for something that's going to be gone in the next 20 minutes? And Jesus said, exactly, that's what I want to ask you. How are you going to give up something that's going to last forever for something that's going to be eaten by bugs or stolen by somebody else? And so Jesus is trying to get us to understand what he's been trying to get us to understand all along. And it's this, don't chase the temporary at the expense of the eternal. Don't chase the temporary at the expense of the eternal. And so he said, you're storing up treasures on earth. And, and if that's all there is, that makes sense, right? Just build it up as much as you can because you don't know how long you got. We're going to have a good time for a few minutes. But, but then he said, you shouldn't do that because that's not how it goes. You need to build up treasures in heaven. And sometimes when we hear that, we, we think, well, what, what does that really mean? But the people in Jesus' day when he first preached the Sermon on the Mount, they knew exactly what he meant when he said, treasures in heaven. This was a common phrase in the day. And they connected this phrase, treasures in heaven, with character. So if you wanted to build treasures in heaven, you built character on earth. You follow me? And so Jesus says the problem is that they were building wealth instead of building character. They were focused on looking the part instead of being the person. But we don't struggle with that, right? Maybe it's just me that struggles with it. We're focused on looking the part instead of being the person we want to have to answer at church when somebody asks, but we haven't read our Bible in six months. We want people to tell us how we can pray for them. Not that we actually, I mean, we'll send them a prayer hand emoji or something. But as, when it comes to actually praying for them, it's 50-50 at best. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you focus on being the person, you don't have to worry about looking the part. So stop chasing the temporary at the expense of the eternal. Focus on building up treasure that can never be taken away. So I want you to remember that it's short-sighted to keep your treasures on earth. It's short-sighted to keep your treasures on earth. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to have money or to have things because contrary to popular belief, money is not the root of all evil. It's the what? It's the love of money. That's the root of all kinds of evil. Money does not care what you do with it, by the way. Money is amoral. It doesn't matter. It, it only takes on characteristics in the hands of you and me. So the problem is not having money. The problem is money having you. And when money controls the decisions that you make, you end up in a never-ending loop that leads nowhere. So don't sacrifice the eternal for the temporary, start building treasure in heaven. And, and when we have these kind of conversations, sometimes we say, we say things like, well, my heart's in the right place. And I want to say this as 
nicely as I can because I really do love you. But is it? Is it really? Because there's an easy way to tell. Did you know? There's a test you can take right now to find out if your heart's in the right place. What you need to do is you need to look at how you spend your time, your money, your energy, and your efforts. How are you spending those? Your time, your money, your energy, and your efforts. Because you answer that question and you'll find out what you treasure. Because you find out what you're chasing. How you spend your time, your money, your energy, your efforts, that's what you're chasing. And what you chase is what you treasure. And this is a big deal to answer this question because... Your treasure reveals where your heart truly lies. You remember how Jesus said it. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what you chase is what you treasure. And your treasure reveals where your heart truly lies. And Jesus said, I want you to focus on what's eternal, not this stuff that's going to be gone in the next 20 minutes and he wants us to do that because he knows. He knows that at the end of the day, when we stand before God, the question isn't going to be, how much did you have in the 401k? That's not going to be the question. The question isn't going to be, how much money did you give the Vero Christian Church? Was it over or under 100000 in your lifetime? Because we're going to have a different conversation based on your answer. That's not going to be the question. What's the question? Does your heart belong to me? We say it this way at Swiss Cove all the time. We say the only thing that matters 100 years from right now is your relationship with Jesus. That's it. The only thing that matters 100 years from now is your relationship with Jesus. And he came to this earth knowing full well that your heart and my heart are all kinds of ADD. We're chasing all kinds of things. It depends on the day, doesn't it? For if you're like me, it depends on the moment, what I'm chasing. And he knew that before he ever even showed up. And he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to give my life for them, for you and for me. Why? So that we could be brought back into a relationship with God that had been broken by the sin in our lives. So that we could give our heart back to our Father, to whom it always belonged. Amen? And I don't know if you've noticed, but when you hand your heart to Jesus, he changes it. He shapes it, doesn't he? And you start to act and do things a little bit differently than you used to. And you know, I've noticed that an eternal perspective will shift your earthly priorities. An eternal perspective will shift your earthly priorities. Here's what I mean. If all that matters is right here and right now, then it makes sense to pile up as much money as you can and blow it in one big party, doesn't it? Because there ain't nothing else. You might as well make the years you got good. But if you're living life in light of eternity, you start making different decisions, don't you? The things that you do, the way you spend your time, your money, your energy, efforts, those things, they change. And Jesus, he told a story about a man who understood this in Matthew 13, 44. Watch this. Here's what he said. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. 
Can you imagine the looks on the faces of his friends and family when he told them that he sold everything to buy that field? They said, what are you talking about, everything? You mean the house? Yep. You mean the truck? Yep. The bass, even the bass boat? Yep, everything. It's all gone. I got the field, though. And they said, why? Why would he do that? Because he found what really mattered. And what was that? He found the kingdom of heaven. Something that's not going to be eaten by bugs. Something that can never be stolen. And he said, I'm willing to give it all to take hold of that which can never be taken away from me. And when you do that, people will notice a difference in you, don't they? And sometimes they'll ask you, why are you acting like that? Like, that's not how, that's not how you should be. What happened? You say, well, my treasure is in a different place now. And if you really want to freak them out, you say, so is my heart. So what are we going to do, church? We're going to obey everything. Jesus said, don't, don't spend time building up treasure here on earth where bugs are going to eat it and people are going to steal it. He said, build up treasure in heaven. Build up the character of of Christ. Well, how do we how do we do that? What's well, a big secret? So don't tell anybody. But it's written above my head right now. I had him install that just for today. It's pretty cool, right? Um, yeah. What does it say? It says, "Love God, love people, and serve others." Jesus said, "I need you to love the Lord your God with everything you got, right? Heart, soul, mind, and strength." I need you to love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes we think, well, it can't possibly be that simple because when it comes to our walk with Jesus, I don't know if if you've noticed this, but sometimes we want to make it really a lot more complicated than it is because if it's more complicated, then I have an excuse not to do it. But the truth of the matter is, it's really not that complicated. It's pretty simple. Now, understand there's a difference between being simple and being easy. We didn't say it was easy. Because it's hard to live for Jesus, isn't it? It's hard to build the character of Christ. But if you'll do that, if you'll build in yourself the character of Christ, what happens is you, you start to look more and more and more like Jesus, which is the point of following him, is it not? To look more and more and more like him. And, and what you'll find is that as you begin to look more and more like Jesus as the character of Christ in your life, grows, you'll find that peace and that joy and that contentment and that satisfaction that you've been chasing over here for so long, you'll find that you, you've already got it. But you've got to stop chasing this over here and start chasing after Jesus. And the thing that's amazing about this is not only will you find that peace and that joy and that contentment that will last through this lifetime and in the next, but of people who will chase after the kingdom of God will not only have all of that, but they'll change this world as well. So church, let's, let's be those people who aren't chasing the wrong thing. Let's pay attention to what we're chasing because what we're chasing is what we treasure and our treasure reveals where our heart truly lies. Let's give our hearts to Jesus and let him shape us as we go. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the chance to be here in this place. 
Thank you that you're here with us in the midst of it. Thank you that you love us enough to send your son Jesus to give his life for us. Help us to, uh, to pay attention to the things that we're chasing. Help us to chase after you with all of our heart for all of our days. We give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor for you alone deserve it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.